What's up, everybody? This is your boy, B-Rob. And before we get into the podcast proper like, I'd like to introduce you to our new sponsor, Studio. Studio. Hope I don't get hit with copyrights for that. But I know you did the same thing as soon as I said Studio. Studio headphones bringing you affordable, quality, fashionable headphones for a fraction of the cost of those high-end bullshit that you get in the store. Not because of my sponsor. I'm sitting here going to blow smoke up your ass or anything like that. But there's some quality headphones. I um, I got the Regent headphones, the over-the-head set. You know, they're well put together. They're compact. And shit, if you got a fly-ass outfit, you can match them pretty well with it. Even Miss B-Rob likes them. And she don't like a lot of shit. She think everything is the same or whatever. That's why she can't tell the difference between DVD and Blu-ray. But that's par from the course. You can get an additional 15% off if you use the promo code... 3 R show when you hit the checkout button over there on studio.com. Here we go. You are now listening to Random Ramblings with Rock. Yay! What's up, everybody? This is your boy, B-Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Rams with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts. If you're a new listener, I'd like to say I appreciate you for tuning in for your first episode. Um, whoever referred you to me, um, give them a crisp high five virtually, or if you're in the same room, you can do that, touch hand skins together and uh, make a clapping sound and whatnot. And um, hey, welcome. I have a guest this week and um, I don't know this guest. I mean, I don't know a lot of my guests that come on the show, but like, I really don't know this motherfucker. And I'm not calling him a motherfucker as in disrespectful like, but we shared a brief Twitter exchange and I was just like, he, he kind of sounded like he know what he talking about. So I want to talk to this dude in person voice to voice and uh pick his brain a little bit so my guess for this episode is all one word tonic mole how you doing my friend i'm doing great how you doing i'm hanging in there and all right just like i was saying before we um started recording and everything i appreciate you for showing up and giving me your time this evening oh yeah no problem now um the reason that you're here is, like I said just now, we had a brief, the briefest of Twitter exchanges on the Internet, and it was over the um, the freaking Disney proposal to Fox. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. The seven, what I think it was like the seventy one point three billion would it be dollars? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then supposedly Comcast is supposed to come back, but. Who knows how long that'll take? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, do you know somewhat about, you know, what a turnaround on something like this would be or is just, you know. Um, well, for, well, for the first time, because Comcast made their first, I think it was maybe two or three weeks before Disney came back uh, with their proposal. So uh, uh, most likely it'll be something like that. Uh, so by uh next next month or early, uh, early next month or something you i would expect comcast to come back and i think most people are uh because it's almost comcast needs fox more than disney does so uh 
mostly because there was rumors that there was going to be a hundred with a hundred billion dollar bid by Comcast possibly to try to just blow Disney out of the water. But, uh, uh, however, you know, markets change and Comcast might get cold feet. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um, I think Comcast is kind of late to the party, isn't it? Cause like, um, AT&T, kind of absorbed uh, direct tv so they this whole mm-hmm. other company now um sprint and t-mobile just merged into a new t-mobile um and you know disney has just been sucking up all the other things it's becoming the, Wal- <laughs> the walmart of freaking <laughs> the entertainment business yeah and i uh it is kind of odd that you know it was everybody assumed Hell, earlier this year, they assumed that this would be one and done. Disney buys Fox and it's over. Yeah. And then Comcast kind of just come out of nowhere with this. Uh, and it, the, the biggest, the biggest dilemma is that Comcast is doing all cash bids mm-hmm. where they're just saying, here's, a, here's this huge sum of money. Disney's is, and I haven't looked at what the actual breakdown of, uh, stock versus cash, but they're doing stock, Disney stock plus cash. So the Murdoch family that owns, um, that owns Fox, it comes at some of it down to, do they just want an immediate payout that would be from Comcast or uh, Disney stock obviously is, could be worth so much more here in five years. Um, <laughs> you know, what's funny about like, that? It's just like you saying Disney stock and I, you've ever been to Disneyland or Disney world. Mm-mm, no, I haven't. Oh, well, they got a thing there called Disney dollars. And every time you say <laughs> Disney stock, yeah. I think about Disney dollars. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> yeah th- that would be, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of the the balancing act, I think, because Comcast even say they do $100 billion, um, depending on what the Murdochs want to do. Because I looked it up. It was 20, 2010 to now. Um Disney stocks increased by 500%. Shit. And so say, say they give them $50 billion in Disney stock. Well, you can only imagine we're talking trillion, you know, over a trillion dollars in five years, possibly. Now, to be fair, the so many things have went right for Disney since 2010, uh, with, um, Marvel movies making a billion dollars every time. Uh, then they're, and a lot of, especially my kind of the people I'm around that's all comic books and that type of stuff, they don't realize there's more than just Marvel uh, going on there. You have Star Wars also, but yes. you also have um, their uh, live action remakes of their uh, old cartoons from the 90s and before. Yep. Those things are making over a billion dollars a piece also. So they got these. Uh, three, four, five franchises that just make a billion dollars every time. Mm-hmm. And so that's sending that stock through the roof. It might hit where there's a kind of a terminal velocity of how much they could possibly, you know, they just put it, continue putting out movies and the stock kind of ceases. But yeah. I think that's part of the debate of Disney doesn't actually have to match Comcast necessarily, mm-hmm. but because that stock could just be worth so much more. Yeah, and I mean, it's like 
um, with the people who are selling Comcast is it just really depends on what they ultimately want to do. I mean, they can take that cash yeah. and they can just go lounge up on the beach somewhere and not worry about nothing for the rest of their life. They can probably, you know, their family for generations can probably live off of that hundred billion dollars if they manage it right. Yeah. Or, you know, well, if they try to freaking, you know, venture out and do something else outside of Comcast after getting rid of Comcast and, you know, starting up another business, you know, that stock could come mm-hmm. in handy. But who knows? Yeah. Well, see, and and it'll be more of like Comcast just absorbs Fox because Fox is a now the family like the Murdochs they uh, uh, they have no need for money or whatever but the father who's kind of in charge of the whole deal he's uh, I don't know 120 years old or something so <laughs> him for him stock is you know who cares I mean he's going to, <laughs> this guy's on borrowed time already and uh, and so it's really up to the and it's um not to get too political about it all, but there is so much complexity to the whole deal that, you know, a lot of people I talk to, they go, the X-Men is like, well, there is so much, so many layers to this beyond one thing. Disney owns the X-Men regardless of how this goes. Yeah. It's already theirs. This is a shit waiting game for Fox to make a few stumbles on movies and who, and heck Comcast could say, you know what? We're, and the companies that con- oh I don't I should have looked this up because I don't want to say it and be wrong was it Universal who did um, if you happen to know the Hulk the Incredible Hulk or was that Paramount oh one of them yeah oh I'm I'm thinking it's Paramount Universal is who Comcast is Comcast like movie arm mm-hmm. and and since Paramount like well Paramount gave the Hulk to um, Marvel. They they don't let them do solo movies, but they gave them character. Sony gave Spider Man. It could be where Disney doesn't even win the bid on Fox and still gets X Men. So it might not. It probably doesn't matter. Yeah, because um, wasn't that wasn't it like that before? It was just like, all right, Marvel had all these licenses to give out. They gave Spider Man to Sony. They gave uh, mm-hmm. X Men and all them to um, Fox and whatever. And then they had a deal to where, all right. You have so many you have so many years to make X amount of movies. If you don't make X amount of movies in so many years, the um the character rights automatically default back to Marvel. So that's why they've been churning out so many Spider Mans and all these X Men movies and all that other shit. So it right, right. default back. It was one of them was like it was right in the deadline, and maybe it was Spider Man, and that's why they rebooted it because yeah, the rights will revert back. So. That could be a thing. And then you, well, and then on the, um, uh, you have these tons of layers going on. Well, it's kind of like with the AT&T and uh, Warner Brothers deal. There was controversy that is being held up because um, uh, Time Warner owns CNN. Mm-hmm. And so the the federal government with Donald Trump and stuff was trying to kind of hurt CNN. And they did make a very specific thing that they wanted CNN broken off from the deal at some point. And so it, you know, there was that tone that there was maybe a little bit of um, animosity over the deal. Not that's not totally the deal, but you have all these giant things like that with, uh, well, Fox being Fox news and then uh, Comcast is MSNBC. So there's a whole mess, but actually, I guess Fox News breaks off into its own thing. But um, uh, 
I had a point to all that. Um, <laughs> I know it's kind of confusing. <laughs> oh yeah, there's weight and and oh, but that those are just not needed to be gone into necessarily. But it's just that's the additional layers that I find that whenever me and the people I talk to and stuff kind of talk about this on Twitter, they all the time kind of edge towards you know what's Marvel going to do with the X Men, and it's like you know there's just there's just so much more. Uh, that goes into all of this uh, beyond, you know, just the X-Men necessarily. Oh, oh, but I no, I do remember um, about um, when Marvel sold all those, they were going bankrupt in 1999, yeah. I think it was. I remember that. And uh, they sold them for like pennies, pennies on the dollar. On the dollar yeah. I, I looked at some of the deals and they were, I mean, shocking how little money they got. We're talking a couple of million bucks for some of these characters. And, uh, you know, and they were left with the, they were only left with the characters that nobody in their right mind would make, want to make a movie about. And, uh, cause Iron Man and Captain America are huge now, but before 2008, when Iron Man come out, um, these characters were very unloved at that time. They were dead in the water. And so, uh, they kind of built something out of there, but they had to do it all without, any of their major characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's just amazing, you know, over the past, what, 10 years, what they were able to build. And then they just yeah. made it even more vast and larger whenever Disney paid what I think it was $2 billion to roll Marvel up yeah. to them. Yeah. And, and un, I mean, unprecedented what they've built. And I'm a, I'm a DC fan. Well, I say DC fan, pretty much just Batman. But, um, that's my primary everything. And, but when I look at what Marvel, the, what the Disney Marvel has built, it's impossible. People can critique the movies or say, well, I prefer this or that or whatever. But as just a, uh, building something, if you, if they had made one bad movie in this line, it would have derailed the whole thing. And, uh, any misstep, can derail this whole gigantic thing. It's a, cause it's a house of cards they were building. Mm-hmm. And for them now they have, I mean, they could release a, this year they could release the biggest bomb you've ever seen and it wouldn't matter, but it's taken them a long time to get to that, um, to that level. And, uh, but it's, it's, a it's, I mean, when I was a, a little kid, uh, watching Batman and Batman returns and all that stuff, there would be like, you'd wait three years for the next superhero movie or longer. And now you got three or four or five or six a year and all pretty dang decent. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's one Marvel movie that's out now that I like totally dislike. I mean, I like some more than others, but all of them are right. pretty good. Yeah. I think, uh, like the, as far as like the MCU, Disney, uh, Disney's movies. Um, I have to go a long ways back. I think it was, uh, wasn't, I was actually, I'm the maybe only fan of Ang Lee's The Hulk. Um, I, I didn't like The Incredible Hulk as much, um, for some reason. I think it was, oh, Liv Taylor, um, like, it's almost like Botox or something in her mouth, so she couldn't enunciate <laughs> the words. And I was like, why would you, A, why would you go, 
on film like that and B, who let her go on film like that. And maybe it's all in my imagination, but I remember it really messing with me on the whole movie. And, um, and Ang Lee's is, Ang Lee's is weird and it, you know, not, uh, and nonsensical in some ways. Um, and maybe it's probably kind of like BVS where I'm on the side that I didn't really like Batman versus Superman. Others fight me daily on it. Um, Ang Lee's Hulk is probably a lot like that. I think uh, we're seeing a few of those. The Last Jedi is like that, where I movies are kind of divisive, so it's almost random which side you land on. Now, but um, now the Last Jedi, what, what's your yeah. um, your true feelings on that movie? Because everybody's sitting here talking about let's remake the motherfucker or whatever. But how do you feel? About <laughs> it? Yeah. Um, I thought it was uh, I thought it was decent. Um, I, I really, really liked the, um, the force awakens. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, because I, I did feel that JJ Abrams had to get us back to square one because the yeah. prequels happened and they were kind of awkward. So I really liked the force awakens to say, okay, this is star Wars. We're back on the deal. And I went to last Jedi and uh, my wife loved it. Um, I liked it. But I can see, I can see some of the arguments, you know, saying, you know, against it. Mm -hmm. Um, not the hating it. That I find, you know, I think, um, I think there's a little bit too much toxicity overall towards, um, I think that a lot of fans are getting a little too, uh, kind of tribal with DC, Warner Brothers, Marvel, and all these types of things to where I'm starting to see a lot of people who, they think that if they like a DC movie, they have to hate anything Disney does. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's some of that. But when I watched The Last Jedi, I certainly could see the um, that it wasn't as tightly wound movie as The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. So I like uh, I've been kind of studying this type idea where I, I I really had problems with Batman versus Superman. And so, however, when I went and saw it at the theater that first half of the movie i was really into it yeah i liked the uh the kind of the portrayal of batman um well visually getting to see things that you know i loved the dark knight trilogy but they were very grounded batman didn't do anything like in the comics where yeah. he like hangs from the ceiling or acts all creepy and this that first scene he's in when he's up in the corner yeah that was and then he creepy just, <laughs> He like scuttles across the ceiling into that hole. And I was like, okay, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, but then uh, it fell apart when he goes, uh, if there's just a 1% chance that he's my enemy, I have to take it as an absolute something. And I was like, that don't make no sense. Everybody's got a 1% chance. Anyways, the whole thing <laughs> fell apart with me. And then the um, some people argue I the Martha thing was, like the most absurd thing I've yeah, ever seen. It was, it was and I know reach. it was a big reach. <laughs> yeah, right. And and so and turning it into the Super Friends immediately after, I was like, wow, no. I, it, neither part was anything before or after that scene isn't the problem. It's the transition to them to where suddenly Superman's like, hey, buddy. It's like what? No, that's crazy. But um, but I. 
when I came out of the theater, I was so conflicted because I was like, wow, that was the worst ending I've ever seen to a movie. But I was really enjoying myself up until Batman decided to kill Superman for no real apparent reason. And uh, so much later, I, I think it was um, earlier this year then, I was like, I'm going to sit myself down and watch that movie again, which I'd watched it again and just hated it all the way through all of a sudden. <laughs> and uh, so I forced myself to sit down and watch it and ignore what I already knew, like what was going to happen. And I was like, no, I can still enjoy that first two thirds or three fourths of the movie if I ignore that ending. And it was that I dissect every problem once something just pushes me too far. Once it jumps to the shark, I hate the whole thing. And I will hate that Batman kills people and that I hate how depressing Superman was and I don't like Lois Lane and I don't like any of these things when I didn't feel that way until it went too far. Mm -hmm. And so I found this interesting thing. So then when I liked a movie that was as divisive as BVS, which was um, Last Jedi, that really made me go, okay, I'm on the other side of this debate. There's almost equal amounts of people saying one thing or another. And, um, when I watched last, last Jedi, I was like, no, that there are, there are things that happens throughout that, that if it's not too far for you, you'll love that movie with the, um, Leia and the thing the what happens with Leia and all the story elements, you'll love it. Mm-hmm. But if it pushes you just a little too far that your tolerance level isn't strong enough, you'll pick that thing apart. And it has plenty of things to pick apart. Um, even though I liked it, if I, I did the opposite of what I did with BVS, where I forced myself to enjoy what I could mm-hmm. on last Jedi, I liked it. So I forced myself to, uh, not, <laughs> not enjoy it. <laughs> did you get, like, find but, that shit that you really hate? <laughs> right. Right. And like, you know, I was like, <clears throat> the whole beginning doesn't make sense. That, you know, why don't they just do the things to save the people right off the bat Mm -hmm. and all these things? And I could easily pick it apart. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's now if I watch it right now, I love it. So I wasn't convincing myself to hate it, merely understanding what's the difference between a movie like The Dark Knight that everybody goes, we all agree, we love it versus Batman versus Superman, which where there's this, I mean, toxic what was that movie come out in 2014 or something and the level of fighting and feuding and toxicity has only increased since batman versus versus superman was released and that's the thing too i mean i like that movie i like i like Mm -hmm. the last i like the last jedi i like batman versus superman i mean it's right here to my right side right now on my movie shelf I, i mean yeah I mean, this is to me because, like, I've said this before. When I watch a movie, you know, I turn my brain off, and you know, it's pure entertainment. I just I watch the movie, and you know, I really don't think about all this stuff that people, you know, hate about it until you know I start hearing people talk about it. You know, just you know, people yeah. bringing this up and bringing the Martha thing up. It's like me sitting there watching that movie the first time. I was just like, this is fucking cool because. I'm actually getting to see Batman and Superman on the same goddamn screen. And yeah. <laughs> more of a movie for me is like, I'm really into visual effects, you know, cause I mean, 
I'm mm-hmm. the type of person to like really see special effects and be like, wow, I wonder how they did that. You know, how they put that together and made it work like that. You know, so like people hate or dislike Battlefield Los Angeles. They say it's a shitty mm-hmm. movie, but I love that fucking movie because of the special effects, <laughs> you know? I, I, hey, I would argue that's a good movie. That's a, um, this is a great and, fucking movie. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, you know, there's expectation. Um, and what I found, and also about Batman versus Superman, within DC Comics, there is, and I don't think this is as much with Marvel, and it's because of how their universes were built. Um, Marvel Comics, if you like Iron Man, you most likely like Thor. Um, those characters have been merged together since the very beginning in a very, very fluid way. Um DC Comics has like two alternate universes. It is the Justice League universe, and then there's the Solos. Mm-hmm. They don't make sense together, and you can't force them together. Uh, Batman by himself has nothing to do with the guy that's part of the Justice League. Yeah, and they I, kind I, of kind of see that. It's almost like how, yeah, they, how we are with movies and television. Like the Flash on the TV series has shit to do mm-hmm. with the Flash and the movies. <laughs> Right, yeah. And and like uh well, for instance, uh, Batman Solo is a lot more aggressive and dark and he's a lot more troubled. Mm-hmm. And um the just the personification of him is um this very uh angry person who's struggling with um, you know, his demons and all this. Mm-hmm. However, the Justice League Batman is has nothing to do with that. He is purely um it's actually he's a completely different um like uh, personality solved. archetype. He's anal retentive. He's like he's the one with the least amount of emotion. Mm. He's a, he's like the data or Spock of the Justice League. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, know he, I I do notice that even um in the animated incarnations of Batman as well. It's like, you know, you mm-hmm. get the Batman animated series versus, you know, whatever other iteration of a solo Batman cartoon versus the Batman you see in the animated Justice League thing. It's pretty much what mm-hmm. you're saying. It's the same shit. It's like they're all different yeah, Batmans. And, yeah, and I think you almost have to when you're dealing with DC. Some DC, Superman was really built for the Justice League, so he's really he's usually kind of the same guy to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonder Woman gets a little more aggressive when she's solo versus, but it's still, you know, she kind of transcends a little bit, but Batman has always had this as a character. Um, he has like, he's two different people depending on what they need him to do. Mm-hmm. And so by himself, he's always much more aggressive, violent and darker. And, um, and I think for me, that's where I felt the DCEU in general went wrong uh, to some degree because Batman versus Superman wasn't a terrible movie. And no. um, uh, I, I liked, um, uh, I liked man of steel. The, my problem with them was they're terrible. All of the movies are terrible together that each they're, they're worth more by themselves than they are together. Um, Marvel, uh, though people hate comparing them, it's like, what, what else are we supposed to do? But um, Marvel movies, they know that the whole is more important than the parts. And so you, mm-hmm. and eventually they made it to where each part was worth more. But um, I didn't leave Thor going, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen, the first one. Um, however, it was a perfect building block. Yeah, It just wasn't 
a great solo movie. And see, and that's what people fail to realize. I mean, I know that the Star Wars, the new movies that are out is going to be a trilogy, but that second mm-hmm. movie, The uh, Last Jedi, it wasn't nothing but a building block for the finale if they're going to end with episode nine. Oh, and I, exactly. And it's it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm semi-old. I'm 37. Mm-hmm. So I watched um, Empire, uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back in the theater with my grandma. And I think it was like the first movie I've ever seen. And uh, so I grew up with the franchise. And now I watched it. I probably didn't even know what the hell was going on because yeah. I was three or four. Same. But um, when, when I was a li- when I was just slightly older, a few more years older, I watched the Star Wars in order. And uh, I really remember. Anyways, I watched the um, Return of the Jedi. I was devastated when that movie just freaking ended. And now people, <laughs> younger people now, they just binge through them and go, oh, those were great. It's like you had to be there. Yeah. Han Solo was in Carbonite, Carbonite, and you were given no reason to believe he was not going to be dead. Mm-hmm. And that movie ended on a terrible note. Like everything was just crap. And you assumed there was going to be some resolution with uh, Darth Vader or something, but not really. So it's funny that the uh, Return of the Jedi was so much like last, uh, The Last Jedi that it had that same tone that where it was the middle of a story. It, was, it did not have a beginning or an end. And um, as a kid, it left me with that, you know, uh, where, I, you know, where I was kind of like, what the, you've been in your damn story. And of course, then the third one in the trilogy made it all great. And I feel like that's, people don't understand what it's like to watch a Star Wars trilogy in real time. And so some of the younger generation might not understand that this is kind of how it goes. Um, yeah. Uh, the the middle one's not going to wrap it all up because, well, hell, they got a third movie to sell. Um, did you see Solo? Yeah, I, I've seen that, Um, I think the weekend after it came out so like a week after yeah i think i did too um now my my wife loved it and i still i was kind of um i thought it was good i still feel like um now uh, mainly i think that um disney their biggest lesson is i think they're smothering themselves you had infinity war which was also them just steamroll over solo and I think we're going to see more and more of that to where even Disney is suffocating themselves yeah. um, with just too many movies in a row, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, various it, franchises and all this. It's almost like um, the thing with Assassin's Creed. They would come out with Assassin's Creed every freaking year and yeah. people were getting tired of it. And they took like that one year off and they came out with mm-hmm. Origins and now they're going to have Odyssey next. Yeah. You know, it's, it's exactly like that. I, uh, I was the biggest Assassin's Creed fan ever. I loved that game. And the second one, I loved the, um, uh, the little puzzle pieces of the video that you would unlock of the, um, kind of like the Adam and Eve thing. And it really just launched my imagination. And I was like, this is the greatest game franchise ever. And then three, four, five, six, and seven, I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> it, ju- it just, uh, cause I think I never, I was still playing two when, uh, the fourth one came out 
And I was like, come on, what the, and I got so far behind. I just didn't even want to bother with it no more. Yeah, and I think uh, I played me. three, but I didn't even play three. I, I lived three vicariously through a roommate. I just watched them play. <laughs> <laughs> I never physically put my hands on the controller and moved that character around. I just watched somebody else play the whole thing. Cause I didn't want to do it. Well, yeah, I, I'm the, I'm usually the, uh, with me and my wife, it, uh, a lot of times, yeah, we'll just, I'll play the game, well, mainly survival horror games and stuff like that, Resident Evil. And uh, she'll just watch those. And now she was the more of the Assassin's Creed player, though. She, because uh, she did, she played one and two, and then I think she played three and some bizarre, I think it was a port of a, off of the Vita or something that was on the console. She, somehow she played that horrible thing. But uh, yeah, she kept with it a lot longer than I did. Did you um what what you think about the um, Resident Evil Two news? You know the relaunch, the remaster, or the remake, or whatever that they did for it. Oh, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was my first when I graduated high school. Uh, my um, uh, not to rewind for needlessly for no reason, but when I was a kid, I really didn't get to have video game consoles. Um, I think I when I was. 14 or 15, I got an NES. Now at that point there, you know, it was 10 years old, but, um, uh, so when I was 18, my girlfriend that at the time that is now my wife, she bought me a, uh, PlayStation one for my like graduation (laughs) or something. And with resident evil, the first one, and this was like right after it came out, that thing just, I was obsessed with it. And then I've been obsessed with resident evil ever since then. Mm -hmm. But, even though I've loved every Resident Evil except for six, um, I with four I loved four, but I miss that that feel of Resident Evil one and two uh, and three to some degree. Yeah. Um, Col- I miss Col- that Col- kind Veronica of haunting slow pace strategy and stuff. And so when they said the Resident Evil two remake, I was like, "This will be the greatest thing ever." And uh, they no, it is. I guess it is more like four. They say with camera angles, but from all the reviews, it sounds like they've they've emerged the uh, uh, the suspense stuff of Resident Evil Seven. And so I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty amped about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah that's. I, and I I haven't been excited for. I play a lot of video games, but it it is like I haven't felt that much hype in quite a long time. So that's kind of refreshing. Yeah, I haven't. I think the only Resident Evil game I've beat all the way through is Cold Veronica. <laughs> oh yeah, oh man, but that one is so good. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, I think, and it's one of those you know those things in life where it just random thing with that pops into your head all the time. And I think about that whole time you're playing that game, and there's the uh, the kind of the weird kind of creepy guy and his sister, and then yeah. you finally you know it's like a Norman Bates thing to where. That whole time he was talking to himself, she's a creature or something, but he's pretending to be her and stuff. That was that. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was an excellent game. And I would, I'm excited for Resident Evil Two because I want to see classic Raccoon City swarm zombies in uh, in a lot better detail yes, uh, than a PlayStation One game. And uh, well, and for me, Resident Evil One is perfect. 
as the HD uh, kind of remake that originally was on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the perfect version, so I don't think that one needs touched. But Resident Evil 2 and 3, it always bothered me that you couldn't see that in really good detail, because after that, they moved on to oh, all the crazy things and the heads popping with the little plant things in them. Yeah. Um, uh, 4 and 5, and then who knows what 6 was. And, and 7 got back to it a little bit. But um, uh, so I'm very excited just to see that world, but in a much much detail. Yeah, and uh, I mean I'm not against that stuff. It was just like um, what I really like about well the the concept of it or whatever, like to remake something, like um, mm-hmm. when they took um the thing and they remade that. I thought the yeah. remake was a damn good movie. And it's just the oh, fact it was good. That, yeah, it's just the fact that it wasn't even like the actual movie. It was the prequel to the older yeah. the original movie. You know? Mm-hmm. And um it's just amazing what they were able to do with the visual effects versus the practical effects. I mean, whenever you can fit practical effects in there, I think you should do it. But for what they had and what they did with that remake in the CGI and everything, I thought it was a damn good movie. And that's what I want. Yeah. Cause like they have movies that came out in the seventies and eighties and stuff, and they didn't have the technology that we have now. And whenever, you know, that's kind of what I want to see. Cause like they redid RoboCop. I thought the effects in that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. They um updated yeah. another fucking Terminator, which I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be bad from, you know, just knowing that it was another motherfucking Terminator, but I watched it and it was <laughs> actually good. Um, yeah. Just the Star Wars stuff, how they, <laughs> what was crazy about the yeah. prequels? I thought it was funny that like, all right, the, what the original three, you know, what the um, four, five and six were made in what, mm-hmm. like the seventies, the eighties timeframe. Yeah. Se- so, yeah. 79 to 84, I think. Yeah. So those movies, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things were after the prequels, which were later on in what, like the yeah. 99, 2000-ish era. So they had to incorporate all these visual effects because, you know, the, the, the technology is, you know, leaps and bounds from what it was in the 70s and 80s and still try to make that movie look older than the original ones. And what, <laughs> it's fucking crazy. What, see, and and that's where I think J.J. Abrams uh, succeeded to where Lucas struggled was how to incorporate the modern technology into Star Wars without changing what Star Wars inherently is. Because I think that some franchises can morph into any era and it really doesn't change the overall feel mm-hmm. uh, to some degree. Um and I think the prequels were odd because even the even the design of things, the technology they had, mm-hmm. kind of got this sleeker this sleeker uh, version, even though it's supposed to be you know older. And um, and he really went hog wild with the CG and stuff. Yeah. And where J.J. Abrams said, you know, well, the design has to stay the same because this is this you know this isn't that long after, and so. That has to stay the same, but we can reproduce it with modern technology. And they actually did an amazing amount of practical effects. Yeah. Um, with the creatures in the background, and that all helped quite a bit. And uh, I was just thinking about this because, um, you know, there are 
depends on the movie and what type of effects they used. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like I can watch, uh, I can watch Batman and Batman returns and it's just as amazing as when I first watched it. Like it's kind of this very timeless thing. And in some ways it drives me crazy that Michael Keaton's bat suit doesn't look terrible. Yeah. Cause I'm like, what happened? Who was the genius that come up with how to put a man in a bat suit that evidently <laughs> just retired? Because um, I love the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm -hmm. Three, mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, Rises was, you know, it, it ended it, was it, what it was. But the, the first two, I loved them. And uh, as a whole, they're all great. But my goodness, what was that all about? In Batman Begins, um, it's like whoever did that had never created a costume like that before. <laughs> it was the most bulkiest you could possibly be. Yeah. And they'd already, Warner Brothers had already done four Batman movies in which they were learning, because Michael Keaton was really good that there's some of those actors that really take the effects into account. You know, they know that it's going to be there and they find ways to work around it. Uh, Peter Weller, who played Robocop, mm -hmm. um, he trained as a mime. And you don't even think about it watching it, but that's just a guy in a big plastic suit. Yeah. That's not actually a robot, but his movements of how he, he'll uh, move his head first and then his torso and then his lower half. That was all a performance, an amazing performance. And, um, Michael Keaton in the bat suit, when he's kind of like when the Joker is in that helicopter flying up and Batman blowing up, uh, uh, the chemical plant. And uh, the light shines on Batman, and he just spins his entire body around. It looks amazing, but he had to because he can't move his body. Yeah. He can turn his head. Half of the great Michael Keaton performance as Batman was because he could not turn his head. And so you had this very kind of stoic Batman that his whole body shifted like he was it was the most commanding um character ever yeah. and and they kind of would and, reference that in um when it was building the bat suit in um what Batman begins he's like you know I can't move my head you know <laughs> and they yeah. adjusted the suit yeah it was and it was cuz uh in and Batman returns it's a little more noticeable cuz they finally said well well, Michael Keaton said, I need sometimes to be able to turn my neck. And they made two costumes, and it always drove me crazy as a kid, because you can tell when he's wearing his turn-my-head costume <laughs> over his normal one, and it would be cut to cut, you know? And uh, when he's turning his head or something, suddenly it's this real smooth, like, uh, clingy mask that's like has a neck in it that's like a lot narrower so that he can turn his head. And then it cuts directly back to the kind of bulky uh, mask that he had before. And, uh, and then uh, they kind of continued to ignore it. They just kind of said, well, we'll make certain suits that are a little more and nobody will notice. And we'll just kind of shift between suits when you need to turn your neck. Who, and, who's um, your Batman? What's that? Who's your Batman? I'd have to, I'd still have to say, uh, it'd be Bell. Um, it was just the overall thing, you know, and it, I almost feel like it's probably more the story mm -hmm. that makes him like the definitive. He was the actual Batman to where, you know, I have my one rule and all that type of stuff. Cause, um, as even as a kid, it bothered me that in the Batman movies, he would always kill the villain. And, uh, I was like, well, 
you know, kind of the whole mythos of, of Batman is he fights crime with both arms tied behind his back, and yeah. he's that good, and uh, that he doesn't have to kill because he's so damn good that's beneath him. And so I always love that about the comic book character. And, uh, and so, and it kind of bothered me a little, not too much though. The, well, when it comes to Batman forever and Batman and Robin, it bothered me more that they were terrible, but <laughs> I didn't, I didn't totally the Michael Keaton ones. One thing, Tim Burton just creates a universe that yeah. you just go, okay, I'm accepting everything you tell me because the movies made no sense. Really. If you, you can't dissect those movies, like a critic can't just, walk up to Batman and Batman Returns and go, okay, I'm going to use the same brain that I used to dissect any other movie. I, uh, I watched Batman, I watched Batman just the other day on Blu ray or something and really paid attention. I was like, that script makes no sense. Like it's almost a nonsensical type thing. Like a, uh, and I was like, it's like poetry is what it is. It's not really a script. Like, I, I was like, Vicky Vell and Bruce Wayne only had one date before he was suddenly like, she's the love of my life. But you never question that. You go, no, they've yeah. been together a long time. And it's like, no, they haven't. And the script had tons of stuff like that. But the way the dialogue was delivered, you don't actually know what they're saying half of the time. And sometimes I don't even think they did. Um, <laughs> there's that kind of famous scene where the Joker says, I'm of a mind to make a movie. And every, it drove people crazy. What's a Moogie? Come find out he had that facial, that makeup stuff on. Yeah. He was supposed to, he was supposed to say, I'm, I'm of the mind. Uh, no, I'm the type of guy that makes a movie or I feel like it's something like that had nothing, not what he said. <laughs> Who knows what he said, but nobody even questioned it when they're watching the movie. Um, when I was a kid, the very opening scene, um, when the two kind of uh, the two uh, thieves are on that roof talking, I had no idea what they said. And I watched that movie thousands of times as a kid. I had a little VHS and I just play it, rewind it over and over and uh, never knew what the hell they said. And uh, when I was adult, I was like, sat down watching it. I was like, that is the weirdest. It's the best example of Tim Burton's Batman movies where the the two guys are sitting there. He goes, what about, I think it's Johnny Dobbs. Or something. He goes, what about Johnny Dobbs? He goes, oh, Johnny got ripped and took a walk off the roof. All right, no big loss. I never knew what he said. <laughs> and I finally broke it down as an adult. I was like, Johnny got ripped and took a walk off of the roof. All right, no big loss. But they every line is delivered so fast that 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 worked. And And it's ironic that now, like, Batman versus Superman bothers me so much because of little plot holes or something like that Martha. that really bothered me. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but Batman works, and I think it is. Delivery is everything. Uh, it it doesn't really matter um, what's on that page if the director and the performances can really just sail you through that. And I think that comes back to why some people like Last Jedi, why some didn't BVS the same way. Um that it's whether that director could sell you through it. Um, because no movie is rarely is a movie going to be able to not have potholes. I mean, it's just so rare because yeah. you got two hours to tell I, a crazy story. And that's the thing with those movies or whatever. Everybody was up in arms about the last Jedi and all this shit is only because it has a history. 
you know? Right, right. Agreed. Yeah. Now, if it, this was just like a brand new movie, never been introduced, you know, nowhere. I mean, this is a brand new property. It's just Star Wars. We starting right here with Force Awakens. You know, I don't think we would have as much hate as we have over these movies now. Oh, not at all. And see, like Batman versus Superman, it's it's certainly the same thing. Um, and I found that Superman fans are much bigger into the DCEU than um, Batman fans generally. Not overall, you know, it's everybody's different. But um, and I think there is a little bit that uh, that is some of the divide with that particular movie that Superman is, you know, he's the. I liked his arc that, you know, it was, you know, is very symbolic of mankind turning on the person trying to save them. You know, that's been a thing throughout history. Mm-hmm. And so having Superman as that character isn't a bad idea. It's a good idea. And uh, even even when I watched Justice League, which I'll tell you the craziest thing that after me not liking just uh, uh Batman vs. Superman. When I went and saw Justice League in the theater, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Yes. I ignored the horrible <laughs> Superman face, which on second viewing terrified the shit out of me. I yeah, was like, I, oh, I didn't, how did I didn't I? even notice it. I didn't even know that that was like a real thing. It's just like I seen the movie twice before yeah. somebody told me or people started talking about the mustache thing. I was like, what? Yeah. And then I watched it a third yeah. time. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. It's very jarring. Now I noticed, I noticed all the bad parts when I watched it the first time. But for me, being a DC fan, I just want them, I just want them to do the characters. And you know, there's people saying, well, they shouldn't do it just like Marvel. And my problem is one thing: Marvel's not doing it like Marvel. Yeah. Marvel's just trying to adapt the comic book characters as close as possible to a movie series. It's not a strategy. That's just what I mean. And and it might be an older generation thing to some degree that being a huge comic book fan in the eighties and nineties, it drove me crazy that they always changed them. I was like, why is Batman in a black rubber suit? It's a blue or black mask and cape with the gray suit. Why did they got to change it? Mm -hmm. And so all these things kind of nagged at me. Why does Batman kill? You're not supposed to. And so whenever the era began just recently with well, with Marvel, really, to try to stay, stay truer, kind of like, you know, the first Spider-Man um, trilogy where he had the organic shooters and stuff. Yeah. Um, I liked that. But I understand when fans were like, well, he doesn't really have organic shooters. I understand that because these characters are these comic book characters. And to a lot of fans, they're real. You know, they are real. They're real people. And... Peter Parker and Spider-Man is a very particular personality and behavior and way he does things. And so when they mix it up for movies, it does get frustrating. And especially when the movies don't totally work because, you know, there's, we've been told by Hollywood that these characters don't work on film because, and it's almost like, you know, they're saying, well, they're not very well written. They're terrible. Like then, why are you making a movie about them? Just leave us comic book nerds alone. Well, then that goes back to what we were saying before about the Marvel shit. We was just like, all right, you got to make these movies, or it's coming back to us. So hey, hurry up and pump some shit out. (laughs) Oh, now that is true, and um, now with and. 
and and it is ironic that I'm a, and I think because I'm such a, like I was born a DC fan. Uh, my first comic was Batman, and uh, so I've been reading. I've I've read a little bit of Marvel. I think Grant Morrison's New X Men, a decade or more ago, I was really into that. But traditionally, it's always been uh, DC Comics. I'm much much more critical. A I know what. Uh, I know the characters and the story arcs and the storylines and stuff. And so I can pick them apart a lot easier. Maybe Marvel fans notice more inaccuracies in the MCU movies. I don't know. I, uh, other than the X-Men, I don't think I've really read a, uh, um, many Marvel comics. So yeah. to me, they're all pitch perfect, but, um, yeah. Cause like uh, all, think- all this stuff is like, is Greek to me. Like you can reference mm-hmm. any comic book and I'll be like, what the fuck is you talking about? Because I don't right. read comics. I've never read comics. I think the closest I've mm-hmm. ever read to uh, comics. Well, I mean, the only comics I've actually read were maybe the first two or three issues of Wolverine, like the very first couple I had yeah. on digital somewhere. And that's how I found out he had a son that didn't like his ass and they would beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> all kinds yeah. of stuff like that. Well, that's the far as my knowledge goes. I know of certain comic books, but I haven't actually read them. Like um, Deadpool kills the um, Marvel Universe. I've had yeah. those, but I never read them. And then like the whole Carnage USA series or whatever. I've mm-hmm. know of them, but I've never read them. You know, it's just like I go like I do a little research. I know about them and, you know, I get the pieces filled in from people like you and other people that are mm-hmm. knowledgeable about the actual comics and that's kind of how I get my information about it but like when I see a movie like any of these movies I don't know the lore I don't know the backstory or anything so that's mm-hmm. why when I see movies like Batman versus Superman and Justice League and um, freaking The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi I'm not upset I'm just like wow that was a pretty good yeah. damn movie and then to even speak oh. about The Last Jedi they told mm-hmm. you in that goddamn movie, the words came from Kylo Ren mouth. Let this shit mm-hmm. die. Let that old shit just <laughs> fade away. This is this is some new shit right here that I'm doing. So mm-hmm. fuck that old shit. Harrison Ford is dead. Yeah. Princess Leia ain't probably going to be in the next one that much longer. You know, Obi-Wan yeah. ain't here. Vader ain't here. Fuck them motherfuckers. This is a new shit. And you're going to have to deal with it. That's pretty much what the uh, last Jedi was. <laughs> Yeah, and see, for me, and now that is a, that's 100% a real thing, that if you if you didn't read the source material to whether it's based on a book or an old play or whatever it is, your chances of enjoying a movie is going to increase dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, uh, I, was a, I was a fan of The Crow, and I loved The Crow movie, yeah. but man, the comic book was just a whole nother beast altogether. Yeah. And just recent, just recently, we, uh, me and my wife went and saw um, uh, Ready Player One, mm-hmm. and I loved that movie. I was like, oh my God, that, this is classic Spielberg, so I loved the movie. My wife hated it. Now, she had read the book, mm-hmm. and when she told me about the book, I did go, mm, if I'd read that book, I would have hated that movie, too, because yeah. they just arbitrarily... Uh, Spielberg's kind of notorious for just changing things almost because he can. And it'll uh, kind of, he kind of, uh, he scrapes off the edges. Like he goes, Oh, that won't have maximum 
um, impact. I'm just going to kind of grind that off. Well, see, and um, that's the thing when you make movies, though. I mean, you got to do that. If it's not a franchise or something that you're going to stretch out over a couple of movies, you got to try to chunk and scrape and pound everything into, you know, a freaking 190 minutes or whatever the fuck you're trying to do. You know, yeah. and that's kind of oh, yeah. hard to and, do. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, uh, you know, it's a balancing act that, you know, I think with uh, uh, the the DCEU, they're, yeah, no, they're kind of their biggest problem is they didn't intend on doing what they were doing. Yeah. And then, and then when it comes to fans that read the comics, they're going, they're going off on wild tangents in an era that that's not a thing anymore. Um, I think Batman versus Superman, if it came out before the dark Knight or especially before, um, Iron Man, people would have probably enjoyed it a little bit more because that was what we were, um, trained to be you know we were like oh well it's different it's not it's not really has anything to do with the comics but these new takes on the characters is great and i'm but kind when, of confused right now because like all right they did um batman versus superman they did justice league now mm-hmm. they're working on wonder woman which is set in the 80s and we was just present yeah. with justice league and batman versus superman because i know the right they gave us the Wonder Woman origin story. So I understand why it was way back in the day and everything. They tied it into current, mm-hmm. you know, Justice League and everything. Now they're going back again to the eighties with her second movie. I'm just like, I'm fucking confused. <laughs> oh, Oh, this is where it gets so good. Okay. Yeah. So, explain to me. <laughs> this is what I've been obsessed with. Now you can replay this if I'm completely wrong later, but here's just my hypothesis of what's going okay. on All right. now there's kind of a web of things going on with it. So, you know, they, they got rid of everybody working on the DCEU because it wasn't going great. And then justice league, when it kind of, uh, tanked. Yo, Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, didn't mean to interrupt the podcast. I know you are really enjoying it right now, but I had to, uh, refer you back to our ad at the beginning of the show for studio headphones, uh, go to studio.com and you can save 15% off your order. I mean, they're high quality headphones for a fraction of the cost and you can get even more savings. Just remember to use that promo code 3R show. Now get back to listen to the podcast. This is the good part. That was kind of a wake up call. Now, it's hey, fuck that. Justice League was a good movie. <laughs> it was a good movie, but financially, yeah. that was not. They were thinking $1.5 yeah. It did not make that. And so they had a problem. Now, I feel that... Um, there's certainly evidence that Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad soured people a little on the DCEU fans in general. Suicide they just Squad weren't much into the DCEU and well, Wonder Woman did good. Yes. But its first, its first weeks weren't. Um, it was after that opening weekend, it, people go, well, it did great for a woman. It's like, yeah, if that's not a woman, that's Wonder Woman, yeah. part of the Trinity. But they were treating it as if it was a Black Widow solo movie and that, well, she did good for Black Widow. It's like, yeah, but she didn't do good for Wonder Woman on that first weekend. Now, that gives me the idea that if everybody rushed to see Suicide Squad, which, you know, nobody really, that when you know, some you know fans would have heard of Suicide Squad, but otherwise, you know, they go, it's the Joker and some Harley lady. But if they all rushed that first weekend and then didn't rush to Wonder Woman with as much hype that was going into it, 
it gave me the idea that a lot of moviegoers hesitated because they felt like they got burned twice. Mm-hmm. And, and so they hesitated, but then when the reviews were stellar, they go, oh, well, hell, I'm going to go to this. And then you saw that huge rise up to $850 million. Uh, $850 million. That's amazing, especially for a soft start. Anyways, moving on. And so then you hit Justice League. People hesitated the same degree, except for they did not hear great reviews and did not bounce back after that. And it had competition just slamming it on both sides. Um so anyways, I'm sorry, getting off track. So, you know, Warner, Warner Brothers says, okay, that's a big problem. We put every superhero, all of our major superheroes together, and they made less than Batman by himself prior to uh, the Man of Steel. That's a problem. And so, you know, they know that there's something wrong. They get rid of everybody. Zack Snyder's out, well, before Justice League even launches. Um Snyder's out and they get rid of the heads of everything. Hell, the head of Warner Brothers was replaced. It was kind of a big freaking deal. And, uh, they hire in a whole new clan of people. And, uh, now there was talk of Flash, uh, Flashpoint. Yeah. And in oh, the yeah, comic yeah. book Flashpoint. Really like yeah. I, I, I see, re- um, like the cartoon or whatever dub. Flashpoint Paradox. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And in the comic book, what had happened is the, um, the comic book universe that had been going since the uh, the eighties, it would have been um, uh, back in the day, like to the golden age in the forties. Comics had just kind of ran and bounced around. There was no continuity; it didn't matter. You just, you know, it was Batman, and Superman. Who cares? And then sometime in the eighties, they said, "Yeah, but Marvel has this continuity in which every story matters to the next. It's all this." kind of ongoing soap opera and DC wanted that, but they couldn't because they had really just been all over the place over, you know, so many years. So they did the, um, they kind of rebooted where all these universes collapsed and it reset within the universe. And that had gone so long and it kind of the same thing happened. The characters, it was the, the stories were so complicated at this point that they wanted a fresh start. So they had the flash point in which the flash travels back in time to, save his mother who is murdered mm-hmm. and does so, but just so happens to completely dro- uh, destroy time and space to some degree and reset everything. Yeah. Cause like and, in this, that's where, um, you know, um, Bruce's Bruce is the one that dies and his parents become Batman and the Joker. Correct. Exactly. And so, and, th- and then he kind of fixes things, but not quite, exactly how they were so suddenly one um and what ironically this is right before the man of steel comes out and so the new 52 starts and so now it's um batman is kind of he's a lot different than he was before the dc universe been happening for a lot longer or superheroes appearing was for a shorter time superman had a collar he was gritty because his uh his parents, his adopted parents died in a car wreck when he was uh, like a teenager. So he didn't have the same upbringing that original Superman had. So it let them get him a little grittier. Wonder Woman, it was his or her, uh, her mother was raped by Hades or something like that. And uh, so it made her grittier. And so they kind of went on this whole arc of everybody's a little bit grittier. And, um, and they kind of they redid all of the origin stories like Batman was almost entirely based on Frank Miller and Alan Moore writing. 
before the new 52. And they got Zach, uh, not Zach Snyder, uh, Scott Snyder, I think, um, to come in and rewrite Origins. They were similar, but they were a lot more um, uh, kind of technical to where Batman wasn't so much of a kind of passionate person. He was more like a, oddly enough, kind of militant. He was building a military, and that's how they explained uh, all the Robins and the Batgirl and all that stuff, was that his whole goal was to build this kind of military to fight crime. And um, this all went on. Now, Batman was super successful, but you had uh, uh, Wonder Woman and Superman was having problems because people didn't like the new iteration. And anywho, then they do Rebirth just recently that resets the characters softly to where they're going for more so- kind of a softer tone, but they combined all eras together and it's doing super successful. Well, all of this happening at the same time the DCEU was based on the New 52 and suffering the exact same results that people didn't like the darker, didn't really like the darker versions of the characters, except for Wonder Woman, which wasn't based on New 52. She was kind of pretty classic universal Wonder Woman. And um, so they go through the exact same problems that the um, the DCEU went through in the New 52, and uh, they got to right now. And suddenly they're looking at, you know, they have a whole new crew looking forward. DC Comics is really looking to change the everything they're doing. And they were going to make a Flashpoint movie to do the exact same thing that they did to the New 52 to, uh, uh, to create the New 52, to basically reboot the movies without stopping because they have a Warner Brothers has the most insane problem that Wonder Woman cannot be rebooted. She cannot be recast without like, fires in the streets you know oh, i mean, she, I mean she's, she's, damn, like a, she's damn good that that movie currently yeah. now has a 92 on rotten tomatoes yeah and and gal as wonder woman is like a uh almost like an icon mm-hmm. and so they would be they would get murdered if they tried to reboot that and henry cavill even though even fans who aren't crazy about how his superman has been portrayed don't want him recast. Yeah, I, I mean, like you him. just can't, you can't get a guy. He's inhuman. I mean, the Cavill just looks like Superman and behaves like him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just needs that script that makes him Superman. And, uh, uh, man of steel, I think was a great beginning. I think they should have used, I think after man of steel, he should have become kind of the more classic Superman that we did see in justice league. And that's why, probably why I like justice league so much was, that was Superman just with a messed up face. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I felt like instead of BVS, they really needed just Superman being Superman. But um, so they're in a really weird situation. They'd have probably liked all of the movies to have bombed critically and financially more than what they have now because they can't reboot yet. They have something that's half broken anyways. And so, I mean, that's, we've never seen anything like this, I don't think. I mean, it, when Star Wars struggled with the prequels, they just shut the shut it down, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, WB can't shut it down. Everybody's waiting for Wonder Woman, the next Wonder Woman. So, anyways, they had the Flashpoint going to happen in the 2020, maybe. Well, that means they're going to be releasing movies two or three years that may tank and bomb and not fix what's the problem? And, uh, you know, Justice League, I, part of me feels like they 
they purposefully tanked Justice League. They could have delayed it until the next spring and fixed most most of its problems that really just hammered it, but they didn't. They decided, let's tank this mother and really give them a reason to be okay with a kind of a soft reboot. Well, so they were going to do Flashpoint. All of a sudden, Flash lost the Flashpoint. It's not Flashpoint. It's just going to be a Flash movie. It will have time travel, but it's not Flashpoint. That raised some red flags because I was like, there's no way Warner Brothers is just moving forward and saying, oh, this will be fine. And then whenever they started showing um, pics of like Shazam, I was like, wow, that is a tremendous switch up to the direction they're going. And then Ben Affleck wasn't going to be Batman and suddenly they're doing uh, the Batman. And But it's also a prequel. It happens before and all the little things. Well, whenever they showed the Wonder Woman 84 set, uh, kind of them on set and stuff, Wonder Woman's running through a street of people rioting, leaping and jumping and running. She, they have the wires on her so she can, you know, looks like she's running really fast yeah. and leaping. Only problem is that contradicts everything that was in both Man of Steel, or all three, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, and Justice League. In BVS, nobody knew who Diana Prince was or who Wonder Woman was. They'd never seen her, never heard of her before. Um, Bruce Wayne, the only picture he could find of her was from her origin, the 1920s, uh, during World War One. that one photo. He did not have photos taken while she ran down the middle of the street in 1984. And there was no, you know... No inkling that Batman goes, oh, you're that lady that was running down the street in 1984 in the armor and jumping, you know, 20 feet in the air. No, he had no idea. And then in Justice League, it directly talks about how after Steve died, she left the public for decades. Yeah. Yet we know in suddenly in Wonder Woman, she did not. And uh, Wonder Woman 84, she didn't. So my speculation is. Uh, if I was WB, no, I wouldn't wait for Flashpoint because I'm not going to just start releasing movies that tank over and over until I can finally reset and get viewers back in, you know, back, uh, back into the theaters. I'm going to move that forward as quickly as possible. I don't think it'll be Aquaman. I think that's too late, but I think that Wonder Woman 84 is set in 84, not because it's a prequel, but because that's actually the relaunch of everything. Now, there's also Steve, Steve Trevor there that died yeah, in the that. first movie. Some people think that might be his grandson. I don't think so. I think it really is Steve Trevor. And I think that... Um, and who he knocked up if that's his grandson? <laughs> exactly. When did that possibly happen and why is he a clone? And now there's... The only thing is that in the original TV series, it starts out further back in time. And then the second season, a new um, television station got the TV show and didn't like the, the it being set in the past and they wanted it modern in the 70s. So they just uh, suddenly Wonder Woman's in the 70s and it's his grandson instead of him or something. And it was just because they, you know, the different station wanted something different. So some people think that might be it. Um, However, I, I don't believe it. I, I think that Flashpoint will be integrated into every single DC movie 
and tell the flash in probably like a comedic that. way I kinda in like which that. the flat what's that i, like, I kind of like that <laughs> yeah and so i think that we'll see the flash there and what it does is my guess is they're going to rewrite what happens in which right after justice league dark seed shows up which oddly enough didn't show up in justice league that they'll say that just uh, dark seed the biggest evil bad guy ever shows up and kills everybody the flash has just enough time to go back in the flash uh, back into the past to change things so that the justice league is stronger for when he appears and so my guess is he's the one that brings wonder woman out of hiding and it'll probably be a brief scene in wonder woman 84 in which the flash kind of nudges thing in a different direction yeah, because I mean, if you think about it yeah they did if they, wonder they, Wo- yeah they laid the, that? they kind of laid the seeds for it and um what was that batman versus superman when he had when the mm-hmm. flash showed up right yeah and see i think that uh uh, yeah, exactly. He already showed up once, so we know he was time traveling. And see, that's part of my part of my theory is that he travels in time, mul- back in time, multiple times. And actually, the first time he, it'll probably bend it a little, in which the Flash feels like he caused um, Batman versus Superman the battle, yeah, and which killed Superman, which delayed the team, and set everything off on a bad tangent. Yeah. And so he goes further back. Because if Wonder Woman is a public superhero, everybody knows her. So suddenly Superman appears. He's not struggling with the public because the public's already used to Wonder Woman. And so Superman's just another superhero. And suddenly uh, God isn't nearly as big of a problem because suddenly you have, you know, two-thirds of the Trinity there when Zod shows up. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like... And um... Batman... And it's kind of like what, what, what we were saying, like, all right, he already showed up in Batman versus Superman in that brief second. And um, mm-hmm. even when to kind of tie that together, when um, Batman propositioned him in um, the Justice League movie, he was so quick to accept because, you know, he knows, you know, that can be kind of like right. an Easter egg. Exactly. And and I think that essentially that's what we're going to see. Um, we're going to see that. um that kind of seeded throughout so that they can reboot without losing the actors and the story they've already done and trying to minimize how much they piss off um, kind of the people who are more religiously devoted to Zack Snyder by saying, well, that those events technically happened just in a completely different timeline that has nothing to do with what we're doing now. It, it kind of is so, like the, um, the Fast and the Furious uh, franchise. Yeah. How those mm-hmm. other movies were like ill and then they just kind of started with five and rebooted the whole thing and kind of tied them all together also um i brought this up before what they doing with the the chucky movies now the last two movies kind of tied all those other ones into it and kind of went back to the original theme all at once yeah or almost every Terminator movie yeah. ever released. And every Terminator, every Terminator movie will be like that because time travel is involved. <laughs> oh yeah, so you can always yeah Terminator One caused Terminator Two and all that. And I, I think they're going to. Tr- I mean, it happens in comics all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they've been they they reboot entire universes and DC more. Uh, Marvel does it occasionally, but they're. Mer- they try to stick to this one long continuity where DC does it almost every six months. So it's not, it's not actually crazy and it, it makes some sense. We're seeing it with infinity war right now. Mm-hmm. Um, infinity war 
was one of Marvel's storylines to reboot the franchises where they kill everybody and then suddenly magic, abracadabra, everybody's back, but slightly different mm-hmm. so that they can kind of reset some stories. Um, now, now the most interesting thing for me that I, um, I started to pick up on it a while back, right after Suicide Squad came out, we started to hear about Suicide Squad spinoffs, which was odd because yeah. now Suicide Squad is less divisive, but more panned. And so it's, it's an odd thing that the most, that all of a sudden it sounded like Warner Brothers number one, um, plan moving forward was just all Suicide Squad all the time. And, um, but then I think that, and, and it was really strong right after Suicide Squad. Like they felt like, well, BVS didn't, wasn't great. So Suicide Squad's kind of popular among some people. So let's really ha- ha- just hammer that. That's what we got. Yeah. And then Wonder Woman came another, out and another suddenly. Joker the, movie, right? What's that? They're supposed to be doing right. another Joker movie, right? Well, that's where things get really weird. We've been hearing about Suicide Squad spinoffs for, yeah. I mean, two years. And suddenly there was the Joker versus Harley. There was uh, the Gotham City Sirens. There was, uh, now there's Birds of Prey. There was also a Harley standalone. Mm. And then there was Suicide Squad 2. But then whenever DC released a slate of movies, what do they do every few months then it's always different um they had suicide squad 2 on there and batgirl but no no harley or joker anything so i thought that was odd because that was what was being talked about being in production but they didn't make no announcement of it another year goes by and i mean they announced uh there was and it's not announcements there's never been an announcement it's always um, I think it's Deadline and a few other those um, uh, movie websites talking about, oh, this director and this writer are working with Margot Robbie to make these movies. But they, they're never confirmed. They're never greenlit. And then suddenly their name changes. Um, just last year, it was Gotham City Sirens, which yeah. is Harley Quinn, uh, the comic book. Uh, Harley yeah, Quinn, Harley Catwoman, and, uh, Ivy and Ivy. Cat- Yeah, all right. Yeah, and so that was the big deal. And then, uh, and then DC, uh, or w, uh, Warner brothers officially announced Batgirl, Um, and that got a huge amount of hype, but then Joss Whedon got in a little bit of trouble. And, um, <laughs> so they pulled him off of it, but Batgirl was still moving forward, but Batgirl got a lot of hype that Gotham city sirens, the Joker versus Harley did not. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's really hard to get that many people amped, for Leto and and Harley, even though there are some devoted fans, you need a hell of a lot of them. Um, and so all of a sudden, Gotham City Sirens turns into Birds of Prey, which the biggest problem is that has nothing to do with Harley Quinn. That's Batgirl, Huntress, and uh, uh, Black Canary. And But that Margot Robbie is going to produce it. And that's all of a sudden when my the light come on in my head. It's being produced by Margot Robbie. And every time... Warner Brothers officially announced something. There's this announcement that there's a weird Suicide Squad spinoff with Margot Robbie in it being produced by her. And it reminded me of Deadpool to where Matt Miller and uh, uh, Ryan uh, Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, my brain blanked for a second. Ryan Reynolds 
one to make a Deadpool movie. They make a scene. They yeah. they, they, yeah, uh, they scene, film yeah. the whole scene, all that. And uh, Fox says no. And so they just released the video online and it goes viral. Mm-hmm. Well, then Fox has to release the, uh, make the movie and release it. I started to get the strong feeling that Margot Robbie and her production company were doing just that. They were trying to get hype, but not actually filming anything um, by announcing these writers and stuff. All the writers and the directors had worked on something that she had worked on in the past, kind of like a close knit circle, but without actual Warner brother green lighting anything. And so now we've hit this to where her and Warner brothers are kind of, hitting this collision because, you know, Joaquin Phoenix was announced as being in a Joker solo movie. And there were uh, people just go, well, it's just a one-off that it's not part of the DCEU. And then, you know, there was talk that the Batman wouldn't be either. But then the biggest rumor coming out was that the Joker, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie, which is a totally different Joker than the Suicide Squad, is going to be in the same universe as the Batman and then the then another rumor was, well, the Batman is the reboot of the DCEU Batman. He's replacing um uh Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. And so and suddenly it's hitched to Joaquin Phoenix. Now all of these are rumors, so you never know. We do know that the Batman is gonna start filming next year. The Joker is filming here in a few months. The Joaquin Phoenix's Joker starts filming in a few months. And then at this, I mean, a few months after Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is announced and people, you know, the hype is through the roof. You know, people are thinking maybe we get another Heath Ledger kind of style performance. Um, it's, an, it's not announced. There's another rumor that there's a Jared Leto Joker. That's, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. Well, the the biggest problem with that is Warner Brothers might be insane, but you really can't release two Joker no standalone movies can't. <laughs> with the same the same Joker, and they know it. They won't let Gotham call their Joker the Joker because they don't want people confused. And they're telling me that Warner Brothers is going to release two Joker movies. And this is where it really my theory started to build up steam. Where I'm like, hold on, I what I honestly believe is happening is that Warner Brothers and the guys that are head of the DCU movies now that are. Um, Oh, I can't remember his name, but he did the. They did all those horror movies and stuff, uh, Paranormal Activity and oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Annabelle and stuff like that. Um, almost all the directors are from those movies. The guy that's heading the DCEU uh, franchise is he. The, he was the one that headed all of those franchises. So it's kind of like a whole clan of guys. Just uh, Juan. Uh, Juan. What is his name? The guy that did uh, directed Aquaman. He's from it too. Almost every single one of them came from, you know, they were kind of a group of buddies and they've really dominated all everything DCEU now. Um, it almost looks like they're going in a different direction. They're rebooting Batman, introducing a new, more traditional Joker. Um, and that Margot Robbie and her production company are kind of fighting that. They're, they are constantly releasing these leaks of these directors and writers, but Warner Brothers will, has never actually backed that up. And even Suicide Squad, that was confirmed as being in production, not filming yet, but production, the director says he's going in a completely different tangent, that it's not going to be the tattoo Joker and stuff. And so there seems to be this 
insane conflict, which, I mean, Warner Brothers and the DC has been the most entertaining production I've ever seen since yeah. the BVS. I mean, the insanity that's going on where they fire Zack Snyder and then Joss Whedon agrees to try to remake a movie in a year. One thing, I, I don't blame Joss Whedon for the bad CG and all that. I blame him for taking that job. I mean, the guy was already a legend for Avengers and Age of Ultron to just completely wreck his career trying to do the impossible. Who did he think he was? I mean, there's no director could have steered that. I mean, it, it was, it was less than a year. I mean, he, it was December. So it was, uh, whenever they were viewing Zack Snyder's kind of cut movie that caused them to decide that they needed to bring in someone else, that was like December or something. And Zack Snyder didn't officially leave till March, but he was off the, he was probably off the movie a few months before that. So Max, he had 11 months to rebuild the movie. We film half of it is insane what he thought he could do. And then, I mean, it was pretty amazing considering it was impossible. So the movie he made was, I mean, it was an amazing feat. It's just really needed to be far more perfect. Few people go, Oh, the movie wasn't great, but man, he did it in nine months. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, but there's higher, there's a lot of competition out there for something like that. But, um, now, now this is all, and then this is all my crazy ass theory. I have no idea, but it feels to me that <laughs> yeah. it's insane that we have Warner Brothers saying, "Oh, we're rebooting Batman with um, uh, Matt uh, Matt Reeves," which he's amazing, amazing director. I mean, out of all the people, he's like I couldn't even. He's the best to get for the Batman. Um, and then Martin Scorsese <laughs> producing a Joker movie. Um, ah, the director is a little questionable. He's, uh, he did the hangover. So I have no idea what this movie is supposed to be, but, um, and then you have Margot Robbie saying, I'm bringing back Jared Leto with tattooed face. It's like, what is going on here? I really feel like though, we're going to, we're going to be, we got, uh, uh, front row seats, the most interesting, yeah. um, production squabble you've ever seen. I'm down for um, it. I like it a lot. Oh, Oh, me too. I mean, I, I was so entertained by the, uh, uh, the whole fighting that went throughout all of Justice League. And, you know, I feel bad for people when things don't go, you know, correctly. That's, you know, not great. But so much of this is self-inflicted that it's, I'm just like, well, you know, that's kind of their own fault. They just, refuse to listen to anybody best and so part of you know, i don't league. have to feel all that bad about it yeah best part of justice league is when they're all fighting with superman and the flash is just like running in slow motion and he turn his head and <laughs> look at him oh oh i i some movies i'm just you know i'm watching it i do laugh really loud when something's funny justice league i was unbearable because whenever the slash was running and the soup and Superman turns, I just stand up and I'm, I'm going crazy. That whole, and it's funny because my second viewing, I really was like, man, this movie is rough. It is so rough. And there's some jokes that just don't land like the, I didn't really like anything with Lois in it at my, on my second viewing. Um, the kind of, uh, Whedon has this, thing about him to where he's the great he's amazing writer and director if he has somebody 
filtering him because I don't think he has a natural filter, you know, he doesn't know when he mails it or when he doesn't. And in certain situations, you can see, uh, if you go back and watch, um, uh, alien resurrection, which he wrote, he didn't direct it. It has those, uh, the, the director of alien resurrection didn't speak English. He was French and he's amazing, amazing director. Everything he touches is golden except for alien resurrection. Um, <laughs> he didn't, Joss Whedon didn't have anybody censoring his, his script for like jokes that just aren't that funny that maybe on paper sounded better, but just in reality are, um, kind of cringy or awkward or something like, wow, that's not really funny, buddy. It didn't pull off. But the, the director wouldn't know either because he, he has no idea what any, you know, he knows what it means. He just doesn't know what, because a lot of them was like linguist things, ironically. <laughs> so there was the scene that was the most awkward for me. Well, there's two that are classic Whedon kind of fails is they're trying to teach Sigourney Weaver's Ripley clone how to speak again because she's yeah. been cloned. She don't remember nothing. And he holds up a picture of a fork and she goes, fuck. And he goes, he, the scientist like smirks and goes, no, no, no fork. And she goes, fuck again. Right <laughs> now. I don't know if there's, I can't imagine that being funny on paper either. It was, and I don't see, I have no problems with crude humor, with sex humor, with whatever, as long as it's funny or if a scene actually works. But in this case, it just didn't work. And then later, um, um, Ripley finds all the clones that didn't succeed. And it's a bunch of Ripley. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. And all the mutants and stuff. And she's setting them on fire, screaming and stuff. And it's kind of like a pivotal moment in the movie. And, um, which, yeah, it was very cartoony. So, you know, but it was, you know, it was interesting. And then Ron Perlman, who I love, I love everybody in that movie. Like, I think the director, everybody, the writer was great. Together, they made an atrocity. But Ron Perlman walks up and goes, women, and then walks off yeah. or something of that sort. And I was like, wow, that didn't work. What? Who watched that take and goes, okay, we're going to have this moment where Ripley, this, you know, the definitive badass lady, um, only Sarah Connor is even close yeah. and goes in and sets her, her clones on fire. And they're these mutated things, the designer. And it is funny. Every human that had anything to do with alien resurrection was the best at what they do. The designer was, oh, I can't remember his name. Anyways, if you look at his stuff, it is haunting. But the guy that designed all the creatures, the newborn and uh, those clones, yeah. the guy's work The guy's work is amazing. And uh, I think he worked on, ooh, it's, a, it's kind of a uh, techno-type music. It's a Apex Twin, I want to say. And he has this uh, music video called Rubber Johnny. I want to say what it is. And uh, it's this... I don't know, alien looking guy in a wheelchair and you, you just, you, you, you got to see it to believe it. It is wild. Anyways. Yeah. Well, any, everybody, any, anyways, I mean, we've, it, we've been on the movie tangent this whole time. It's damn near <laughs> hour and 30 minutes. And, yeah. you know, we just kind of started off right out the gate. 
what the hell do you do, yeah. man? Because <laughs> I'm looking oh, at your Twitter okay. profile right now, and um, I see you do uh, video game mods for like Skyrim, Fallout, Saints Row. Um, and yeah. You animate. You're an artist, and so on. As yeah. far as your profile, say, but what the fuck do you do? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, I'm a. I do all types of random stuff. Now I uh, random. Uh, like to make money. Nothing fun. Uh, I, uh, like I, I, uh, uh, own a little tire shop in a small town. I fix tires and crap like that. But, um, what I do, I make some money doing the things I actually enjoy doing. Um, I, uh, certainly a jack of all trades. I, I do some, uh, oh, I do, I, I do some mods that I actually have like a Patreon. All my bo- mods are embarrassing, but I make some money doing them. So it's not so bad. I do, uh, uh, Fallout 4, I did the busty mod. It made boobs bigger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everybody loves now, that. Oh, it, and it, I do see the, the, uh, irony of my life. I, uh, art, artistic things and like, uh, uh, you know that moment where you go, wait, do I actually exist? That's my favorite of all time. However, what I actually do is the most trivial, benign stuff ever. Um, so yeah, Fallout 4, my big mod was I made boobs bigger. Um, currently I'm working on The Sims 4, and as you may predict, I'm re- and I'm redoing all the animations in Sims 4, adding breast physics. <laughs> so all my mods have something to do with that. Not on purpose. It's that. I'm probably always late to the game. So by the time I get there, all the good things that I actually have the skills to do, somebody else did. And so you that's the last thing the I can think of. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I can do the boob thing and that'll be popular. And it always is. Everybody loves it. Yeah. But, um, uh, and then I, uh, and then my other side thing, uh, my other deal that, yeah, it's kind of like my main thing I do now. Um, animating, I do uh, 3D animations and stuff. It's all lewd stuff, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do really enjoy it. I like creating any types of characters. And um, I used to be really big into... Uh, this is my sad story. I used to be really big into drawing comic books. I love drawing. Um, I, had, I had stuff uh, in art galleries because I did comics when all growing up. And then when I was in my early 20s, I wanted to be fancy. So I just did the same thing, but on a canvas and had stuff up in art galleries and all that. And I loved it. The only problem is I'm wildly bipolar. And come to find out, whatever part of my brain uh, drew, but it had to be specifically like me holding a pencil and drawing, triggered it like you wouldn't believe. I'd go through spikes of manic. I wouldn't sleep, like, wouldn't sleep for three days. I'm just amped and then depressions beyond anything I can imagine now, really. I can imagine how I made it through it back then. And it would just be constant. And then, and I think it was so rapid for so long. It'd be one week through the roof. Next week, I could barely get out of bed. And then, um, uh, and I struggled. Uh, I think that I was certainly manic depressive when I was a kid. Um, maybe less noticeable because kids will be kids. They're crazy. And then, but whenever I got about 16, it become 
where it become like a, a lot more of a dangerous thing because it was uh, one thing I was able to run around and get into more trouble. So that, you know, that certainly spurned it on. But, um, uh, but I, and I had no idea, which was also a bigger problem. I had no idea that there was anything wrong with me. And I was just a normal person who believed in insane things. I'd wake up and swear I had a dream and I foretold the future and I'd write it down. Mm-hmm. But a part of my brain that was logic kept telling me, oh, no, 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 uh, you're crazy. <laughs> and so I was the rare crazy person that knew. So, you know, it didn't get too out of hand. What I what really was the wake up call was whenever my friend gave me a movie and it was um the demons and Daniel Johnston, I think. And she goes, when I watch this, it's a documentary. She goes, when I watch this, it reminds me of you. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And I watch it. And it's a documentary about a guy who's batshit insane. <laughs> he's a, a, a musician. And who, he's a real musician from Texas. I think um, Dallas, I want to say Daniel Johnston. And he, uh, uh, he was extremely bipolar. He would see like a, a drawing or a comic book. And it would absorb kind of his reality. He would think he's the character. And that was when it got really extreme. But it would kind of come and go because he's bipolar. So sometimes he'd be normal. Sometimes he'd really straight up go crazy. And um, his escalated far beyond mine. It got, you know, he got in, uh, he uh, attacked people and all this type of stuff. But his, um, when he was on medication, he couldn't play music anymore. And that's what he did for a living. He was on. Uh, oh, if you, you know, Kurt, Kurt Cobain from the band Nirvana, yes. mm-hmm. um, he wore that shirt that has a, it looks, it looks like a hand drawing of an alien with a bunch of little eyes sticking out. And it says, I want to say it says, hello, how are you? Um, that was the cover of this crazy guy's, uh, album. Now he was, this guy got record deals from like Warner Brothers records, big people, but he was crazy. So, his manager got him a record deal uh, because Kurt Cobain liked his music, so that pretty much nailed it for him. Um, he tore up the contract because he said the record label was the devil. Mm-hmm. And he didn't mean as in, you know, like we say, you're the devil. He meant the actual devil because he was insane. And um, he would, um, they finally put him on medication, but he couldn't play music anymore as long as he was on the medication. So he'd stop taking it secretly so he could go play. Unfortunately, it got out of hand and he, his dad had a little private plane and would give him a ride. Um, He thought he was Casper. He pulled the keys on the ignition and threw him out the window and they had to coast to the ground. That pretty much ended his whole thing. Anyways, I watched this movie. I go, what the hell? Why did she think I'm goddamn insane? I was kind of pissed off. I was like, I'm not damn crazy. I'm an artist. That's how we are. Come find out. No, that's not. Ex- I was far beyond what probably was normal. And um, but then I had panic attacks and all this, and had to take this Zoloft uh, yeah. because yeah, I'd wake up with a panic attack and fall asleep with one. And uh, I took the Zoloft to stop panic attacks. After six weeks, it takes six weeks to kick in. Uh, after six weeks suddenly my mind clears and I go, holy shit, I have been insane for almost a decade. And I had no idea. I had not the slightest clue. And um, 
And the biggest problem is, uh, even to this day, if I was to sit down with a pen and a paper, even though I drew my whole life and start drawing, if I do it more than a few more, uh, more than a few days, it's all coming back. Like I get panic attacks and I get, and I don't know what it is. It's just a, probably a deformation in a part of my brain that processes drawing. I can do literally anything else. I can animate, 3D model, whatever. No problem. Uh, play music, no problem. It's the second I start trying to draw something with a pencil, zoop, I go batshit insane. And so that was a huge struggle. I, the whole life was I was going to be a comic book artist. I'm a writer. I write my own comic books, and then I draw them. And I got tubs and tubs full of comic books. I did the first issue or two or something like that. I was never probably good enough, but you know, decent for the time. Um, and so then all of a sudden, you know, if I do it, shit's going to get bad. And so, and if I'm on the medication that subdues the bad, I can't draw no more. Um, you ever because thought it's about, actually, sh- you, you say you had no problem doing the 3d animation. Have you ever thought about doing digital drawings or is it just like specific to the physical act of you like sketching some shit on something? I'm not certain. I know that I'm terrible at digital drawing. There's something about I'm learning the right feedback. Now. Yeah, I'm learning right now. I just got the um, the new iPad with the Apple Pencil, and I fucking love mm-hmm. it. You know, I'm I'm just starting to get into the drawings and everything. I downloaded a whole bunch of apps that people on YouTube recommended, and you know, I'm just learning yeah. it. And you know, I drew as a kid too. I wasn't really good at it. I can copy things pretty good. But um, mm-hmm. like now I'm just kind of like rediscovering it, and um, it's all because like pencil and paper to me, like I I almost would rather the digital aspect of it because the Apple pencil, yeah, I mean it has like the slightest bit of um delay, like it, I mean you mm-hmm. wouldn't even notice it unless you was just like no shit, just like sitting there and staring at it, you know, that's how small the latency is, because I don't have the big Pro iPad, with the Pro iPad yeah. and the Apple Pencil, there's no latency at all, you put the, the tip to the uh, the screen, and the line is mm-hmm. there, with um, the new model that they came out with, the one that's for like uh, 300 bucks that works with the Pencil yeah. now, I mean there's like the slightest bit of latency and everything, but like to me, because like I'm a novice, I really don't notice the shit and I, I really enjoy doing the drawings and using the paint brushes and all kind of stuff, and you know, if I could recommend that to anybody I would do that <laughs> Yeah, and I think that, because I, I actually I mean, I drew um, I drew every day constantly, I draw three or four pages of comic books and then I just draw draw, draw, and um uh, I did that probably till I was 20, uh, 25 or 26 or something. And, uh, cause I kept on, I kept on kind of trying to draw and, oh, I could still sit down and draw a picture. No problem. And it is, it takes a while. I mean, it takes, I would, I, I bet it's probably more than a few days. I bet it'd have to be a two weeks or three weeks of drawing, but, um, what's my, and probably the biggest thing holding me back from getting back at it, a, the level of how good you got to be to yeah. like actually do something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's through the roof. Todd McFarland really screwed everything for everybody. Because <laughs> <laughs> once he entered the scene, you know, suddenly serious artists go, whoa, what the hell is this? You know, Spider-Man shooting that web and there's like hundreds of these little, you know, uh, threads running through it. Yeah, and then insane. Jim Lee, Jim Lee, you know, doing his thing. And nowadays, oh, you see, and you look at what these people 
did before. And you're like, what the hell are you doing drawing comics? I mean, there's some amazing artists. And not that that matters. I mean, there's always, I didn't draw, I didn't draw Batman or nothing like that. My stuff was very bizarre. Um, and I did, I tried to draw superheroes, but I always go weird. Um, and so I would never be actually in like competition with these. Two. I'd never draw, I'd never be the guy they chose for a Batman comic book. I'm more of the R. Crumb type stuff. Uh, really oddball but um my biggest problem now is uh i never drew because i like to do it like i don't actually like the act of physically drawing um i want the drawing yeah i don't care for making it and so now with now that i gotten into cg and stuff oh you can anything in your imagination you can create photo realistically and that's essentially what I do. Um, the thing uh, I've really got obsessed with is uh, I have this character called Honey, and she's just this you know, like redheaded girl. And you, you could almost—it's kind of—it's uh, not entirely not Pixar kind of type stuff. Is it the one on um, your profile? Yeah, that's it. Um, and so then I got obsessed with what if a cartoon character was photorealistic? Now, this is very <laughs> divisive of an idea. I've had tons of people go, dude, that's just creepy, like, you know, uncanny valley. And I'm like, that's what I, that's where I live. I always loved that. I was always obsessed with it, creating something that's just different, you know, that weird thing. I don't know what it is, but, um, and I found enough people that, um, I have a Patreon, uh, where I release all this type stuff and, uh, uh, and you know, I got a little collection of fans that, you know, seem to like what I do. And I, for, you know, for a long time, I struggled with that. Cause I was, you know, do I want super success or just to do what the hell I want to do? Yeah. Come find out. I don't think, I don't think I can do anything else. I'm not going to say, you know, some people say, well, I'm not going to sell out. No, I can't. I don't know what's wrong with me. I couldn't, if, if someone said, Hey, We'll give you $4,000 a month. All you got to do is completely different than what you want to do. Yeah, no, I, I mean, would, that's, that's the crux of I everything, would, right? <laughs> yeah, I would want to and just not be able to do it. I just can't. My brain yeah. don't work like that. Um, I'm fueled entirely by a passion to do something. I have zero work ethic. So if I'm not just obsessed with it, I just can't do it. And so, you know, and that's really, you know, where people, you see artists that amazing artists and you're like, why does the guy that can barely draw, draw something like, you know, uh, Wolverine or Batman and stuff, you know, every once in a while you open a comic and you go, yikes, what in the hell happened? Usually it's like they hire a really good person and then they need to take a vacation. So like there's two issues that look like they were drawn in MS paint or something. <laughs> and you're like, what the hell just happened? The reason that guy got the job was because he will do that in a month and he doesn't care. He, he, he's, a, he's a machine. He can make this comic good enough and on time, no problem. Because my favorite artists have no work ethic but are amazing. Um, and I wouldn't say they have no work ethic. I don't know. I just know that they don't like doing interiors often. And like uh, Adam Hughes, his interiors were amazing. He worked on uh, Ghost. Uh, the ghost for dark horse and he did interiors one of the rare times he did um it was amazing interiors but the he only wants to do covers and hell i don't 
I understand he can draw one picture of a character and get paid probably more than the guy that drew all of the pages of the interior. But, um, uh, uh, oh, yeah, but so, you know, that's where my whole life kind of been doing uh, on that thing to where, and then it become even, you know, more recently, uh, past few years, more of that, you know, it's really gotten more into my head. Do, you know, you got to do what you want. And not everybody's going to be famous and not everybody's going to be actually make help. Not, not everybody's even going to make a living off of what they want to do. Yeah. But it, it, it doesn't even matter because, well, hell, half of the greatest people didn't make the money while they were alive. It kind of sucked. They died thinking, well, this sucked. And then, you know, Edgar Allan Poe become a freaking legend after the fact. And uh, he never knew what was going to happen. Um, and so, you know, the, the passion, the passion has to drive you. And if that's not what's driving you, people are certainly going to notice. Yeah. Um, hey, man. And, and like, yeah, this whole conversation, I mean, I, I, I'm going to I'm be open with you or whatever. I mean, this is like I've enjoyed everything you've said this whole hour and 47 minutes it's just like yeah. you you are my ideal guest you you got a little bit of the random in you as far as yeah. like you're here and there and you're everywhere and whatever it's just like yeah. i like to hear people talk so like mm-hmm. i asked you a question hour and 47 minutes ago and you just been going ever since and i i really fucking <laughs> love that man <laughs> <laughs> but let me, let me let me tell you something funny though, because like I'm, I've been back and forth, and you know, um, I was on the phone, I was looking at your profile, because that's kind of where I stopped you, and um, asked you yeah. like what the fuck you do and shit, and what's weird, this whole hour and forty seven minutes that I've been listening to you talk about, you know, everything, Margot Robbie, Batman, you know, comic yeah. books, all this stuff, I'm on your Twitter profile right now, you know, and if anybody yeah. knows how to use Twitter. Go to uh, Tonic Mole's freaking Twitter account and kind of listen to the things that we talked about on this episode. And if you go to his profile, you go to where it says tweets, you know, tweets and replies and you press media. Now, media, this is all the gifts he posted, all the little video clips he posted, pictures he posted. You can see all those things in sequential order. Just about everything you've talked about in this last hour and 48 minutes is in your fucking media stream. It's like not in chronological order from how you talked about it, but some semblance of everything you talked about within this damn near two hours is in your fucking media stream. And it was like, I'm, I'm serious, man. It's like Superman is the very first thing you see. You scroll down, you see Margot Robbie. You scroll down, <laughs> you see fucking Kurt Cobain. You scroll down, you see fucking Batman. The Michael Keaton Batman with the two different freaking <laughs> Batman suits. Goddamn the Joker. Jared Leto's Joker. Fucking everything that we've talked about somehow, some way is fucking in your goddamn media stream. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And 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 it's probably because it was just still on my mind. And so I had to prioritize with, what was I thinking about last? Oh, yeah, I tweeted about that. Uh, so, oh, yeah, and I'm legendary for you only have to wind me up and just let me go and I'll ramble for hours on end. Hey, that's the name of the show, man. Random Ramble. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
And that, yeah, man, I mean, I really freaking enjoyed it. We can be here another hour and 50 minutes or whatever. But unfortunately, I got to go to work in the morning and I got shit to do before oh, yeah. I go to bed. So, man, hey, like this is probably one of the better decisions I ever made just to grab <laughs> your random person and bring you in and let you run your mouth, man. I, I really enjoyed this, dude. Oh, yeah, I had fun. It was good. Yeah, man. Um, where can, <laughs> I haven't said your name like 38 times before now, but oh, where can everybody uh, find you on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want people to find your art, your train of thought, your pictures, everything? Where can people find you on social media? Well, purposefully, if you type in Tonic Mole, you will find everything that's me. So I'm uh, Twitter at Tonic Mole. Everywhere else, Tonic Moe. If you go on your Xbox One, I'm Tonic Moe. If you're on a PlayStation 4, I'm Tonic Moe. And so that's really pretty, pretty much become my official name. So uh, my Patreon is Tonic Mole. And uh, all my mods start with Tonic Moles, whatever. And so, yeah, you can literally find me anywhere. Go to search members, type in Tonic Mole, and you'll find me. You need to step your Instagram I'm- game up. You only got six fucking pictures. <laughs> I've never been into Instagram, but then all of a sudden I, I literally just, I think I just started, um, a, like a month ago and I don't do like selfies and stuff. And then I feel like, are you like, you know, the shit I post is literally stuff I find online. And so I was like, I don't think it feels appropriate. It feels like I should try harder. So I'm going to, I'm going to really try harder on my Instagram and actually post art. I have, I have an endless amount of art that I've created in my lifetime and I put it in little uh, Tupperware things and put it in my attic. I really need to utilize that and Instagram would probably be the best place to do for it. Do it. At Here we are one hour and 50 something minutes in and I'm telling you to do it. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. Exactly. I just followed you, you so I'm beholding you to it. <laughs> That's right. You can check up on me. <laughs> But yeah, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you giving me your time. I appreciate you telling me all these stories and blowing my fucking mind. You just the way you passionately talked about all these things. I have the majority of the movies that you spoke about. I just recently bought the whole fucking Superman and uh, Batman movie collection on Blu-ray. It's sitting right here to my right right now. And just the way you was talking about Michael Keaton and the motherfuckers make me really want to crack this bitch open right now. But unfortunately, like I said before, I got to get my ass up and go to work in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, we both have real jobs. (laughs) Yeah, man. But I can't say how much I appreciate you enough. And, you know. Oh, yeah. Thank you for being here, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. And what you do is awesome. Good. I'm fucking dead ass serious, man. It's just like, I really like people like that. People that just ramble ad nauseum just so about anything and everything. I mean, it's just like, it, it captures my imagination or whatever. And I mean, it just like, it, it gets me motivated. It gets me amped up, man. I make me want to draw, fucking watch movies, fucking make movies, all that shit, man. It's just like, yeah, I mean, what can I say about that? Um, I've really appreciated his time. I've said it like 38 times within the, <laughs> the conversation that me and him had, but there it is. That that was Tonic Mole. I didn't even ask the or- his origin story. We talked about a lot of comic books and everything, but I never asked him his origin story about the name. But um, hey, we on Twitter. 
I can um find him. I can track him down and ask him in the DMs or whatever. I'm not sliding in that motherfucker because that's you know that's nasty. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, this episode has been brought to you by Studio. Um, go to studio.com and get you some bomb ass fucking headphones with um 15% off if you use the promo code 3R Show. Hey, get you some motherfucking hooks, rubs, and spices. You can get 10% off your order if you use promo code. 3R show. Sprinkle some motherfucking hooks, rubs, and spices on your goddamn studio headphones. <laughs> that would probably fuck some shit up. I, I wouldn't recommend that. But maybe you can listen to some music through your studio headphones hooked to one of your favorite mobile devices, whether it be through the aux cord or Bluetooth, because you have that capability with studio headphones, whether it be the freaking regent over the ear joints or the tray the freaking um you know the ones that go around the neck bluetooth joints go in your ear and they even got some wireless bluetooth earbuds which i'm extremely interested in and i might want to try to cop me a pair i use my own promo code give me 15 percent off and what's cool about them i mean none of them are over 109 dollars so i think that that's the most expensive pairs the 109 dollar ones that's the like individual wireless bluetooth earbuds i mean there's no string that goes around the neck uh cables or anything like that they just go straight into your motherfucking ears so i really like those and i'm gonna have to cop that um yeah man it's just do what the fuck you love man if you love doing a podcast and you ain't got no motherfucking listeners it doesn't fucking matter just do it because you love it goddamn if you like to draw draw the shit out of everything you know just draw on paper draw on napkins draw on post-it notes draw on the wall if you ain't written some shit you ain't gotta report to your landlord and you ain't gotta repaint over that shit if you ever leave that place goddamn if you in the digital goddamn 3d modeling 3d model your ass off like and after you 3d model your ass off 3d model you a brand new ass to put that one back on where the one you 3d modeled off (laughs) oh man i feel good that was a great episode you may not think that because damn i i wasn't i was barely interacting i was just i'm i'm honest with you man it's just like i love to hear people talk you know i just i mean that was like a joy to me that this two hours here on this podcast was just like absolute bliss for me it's just like i don't know it's just i guess it's like because i didn't really have to do too much work you know you get some of those interviews or you know people that you talk with you be like hey um what do you think about time travel he was like it's cool so you know you you want more you know you ask the questions because you want their full an unadulterated thought process and everything and you know I've been guilty of that in the past I mean Mrs. B. Rob can tell you that shit it's just like um, what do you think about this I'm like it's cool and she would be pissed to no end at me or whatever and you know I've I've come to realize that you know if somebody asks you a question you know it, it some most of the times it's not just a yes or no answer it's just like there's more to, that needs to be said and everything so that's a good relationship tip. So if lady asks you something or your guy asks you something, uh, give them as much info as they can stand. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here because um, I got some shit to do. 
And as I was saying, I got to get up and go to work tomorrow. You can find me on Twitter at it's B Rob. It's I T S B R O B. If you want to talk professional wrestling and any other general shenanigans, that's the place you do it. Also, the show has a Twitter. I'm tapping my leg on this annoying the show has a twitter you can follow the show at three r show and if you're hip and trendy you can follow at three r show two that's t-o-o um you can follow me on instagram to where i walk the hollowed halls of walmart and you know check out the um, igtv video that i did you know i did a vertical video with some uh, green screen effects and everything i've had this idea in my mind you know within the past uh 24 hours or whatever i'm Think about doing another IGTV video and um doing like incorporating some kind of sketch work with it. You know, I don't know how that's going to turn out or whatever. I, I have the the idea in my mind. It's just the way I have to set it up. You know, I, I don't think the sketch part will be hard to do because it's just me kind of narrating the thing. But damn, we'll see. You know, there you go. Here I am trying to create content for you all. You know, to entertain you or fucking just prove to myself that I can do the shit if I choose to. You know, that's the conversation that I had on the last episode. It was just like, I'm tired of telling motherfuckers they suck. You know, I'll give you some honest feedback. You know, I can tell you what I think you're doing wrong or what I feel you're doing wrong. But I mean, who the fuck am I? You know, if you ask my opinion, I'll give you my opinion. And, you know, you take it for what it's worth. But I'm tired of telling people they suck because let's just think about it. We talk about all these mumble rappers. We've had this conversation before. We talk about the mumble rappers and how they garbage and everything like that. A quick remedy for that, like straight up, don't listen to the shit. Just turn the fucking shit off. You know, if you're not listening to it, you can't talk shit about it, you know. And then the other aspect of it is, you know, I've said this is just like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, are you fucking producing beats? Are you writing rhymes? Are you freestyling? Are you doing the shit? No. So shut the fuck up. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I kind of, it's almost like professional wrestling to me. I look at it through different eyes now because I actually done professional wrestling training. I've actually been clothesline, drop kicked, suplexed, you know, flipped into the ring the hard way all this bullshit I've actually done professional wrestling training I've been beat the fuck up before I know that shit hurts <laughs> so I mean I kind of look at it through a different eyeball than somebody who has never done the training would you know oh man this shit fake but you never damn jumped off the top rope and landed on your fucking back you never been backdropped or drop kicked or anything like that so how the who the fuck are you motherfucker to criticize some shit that's how that's kind of how i look at it you know don't be offended about what i'm saying it's just my opinion we we live in that age now to where motherfuckers get offended of what other motherfuckers say in the actuality if you don't like it don't listen no shit if you don't like what you see on tv turn the motherfucker off you don't like what you're hearing on the radio Turn the motherfucker off. There's so many other things that you can fucking do to occupy your time rather than sitting on your ass talking down on some other people's shit. Do what the fuck make you happy. If you wound up and consumed by the shit that you want to do or pursuing the shit that you want to do, you ain't got time for the other bullshit. You know? And then that's 
I guess that's kind of sucks for you if you're a media personality and everything. You probably won't have any content to talk about if you can't talk bad about some shit. So, food for thought. Anyway, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, you can go to randomrobcast.com and you can um, find different ways to support the show. You can um, find my Amazon link. You click on it. It'll take you to Amazon and um, you purchase some shit as you would do normal. And I get a little kickback. You don't have to pay anything extra on that. You can buy some merchandise in my merch store, which you can find on randomrobcast.com. You can be a patron like Brandon McIntyre, Glenn Abbott, and King Ajar, in which today, as I record this, is Brandon McIntyre's birthday. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Brandon. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, I played the division with Brandon this past weekend as I record this. And um, we got our ass whipped. We had to call in reinforcements and get some other people to get us through a stage. We was playing the division. You know, I, I got it free with the game pass and I got the season pass for like 16 bucks. So me and him jumped on this past Sunday as I record this and damn <laughs> we we fucked shit up and we got fucked up. But hey man, happy birthday, B Mac. Hope you enjoyed your day. And yeah, and which this'll be after the fact once you hear this shit, but hey, there it is. Um what did I hit everything on randomrobcast.com? It doesn't fucking matter. Go to randomrobcast.com. You can find all the ways you support the show. You can be a patron. But you know, all that money bullshit aside, you ain't gotta do that. You don't have to be Brandon McIntyre, Glenn Abbott, or King Ajar. But what you can do, what I would ask that you do for this podcast or any other podcast that you listen to, and it's absolutely free, leave a review. Preferably five stars. But if you want to leave a four, a three, a two, a one, just don't be like this shit suck. That goes back to what the fuck I was just saying a little while ago. If damn the shit suck, shut your fucking mouth, turn the shit off, leave me the hell alone. But if you enjoy it and you think it can be better, leave some constructive criticism. Tell me what I can do better or tell me what you think is not working. And, you know, give me the opportunity to ignore you, as I like to say. <laughs> but reviews, five star reviews, preferably. But any reviews would be appreciated. Damn, liking, retweeting, subscribing, you know, driving those numbers up for us, you know, because, you know, that might intrigue studio and hooks, rubs and spices to come over here and they give me some money or some um, kind of backing and everything and that's some shit you won't have to worry about all you have to worry about is sitting back relaxing putting on your studio headphones and listening to the podcast while you sprinkle some hooks rubs and spices all over your delicious foods meats and vegetables and everything else sponsored by hooks rubs and spices and studio headphones <laughs> but hey man I'm, I'm done i'm done i'm sorry um you've been here for a while you've done heard somebody else ramble and now you're hearing me ramble and I'm getting the fuck on out of here. I appreciate you all for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hush.
your face is coming straight to your ears A podcast network that's changing gears Bringing fresh funky pods with a fresh funky beat A family of pods that are bringing the heat There ain't no stopping us Keep coming back to us sick ass pods That'll make you hush www.hushyourface www.hushyourface www.hushyourface.com